and welcome to Soundwaves, the official podcast of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust. The last episode of 2020 is here, and it's all about children in need. This year's rickshaw challenge, as with everything, was a little different. At first designed to be socially distanced at Goodwood, the riders were sent home after a part of the crew came down with Covid. One of those riders was Lewis, who podcast listeners will know from a previous episode of Soundwaves about sarcoma awareness. If you haven't heard it, please do go back and listen. It's a heck of a conversation with Lewis, as well as Chloe and Alex, talking about their experience with sarcoma. Lewis is back with us for this episode to talk us through the rickshaw challenge, what it was like having to up and head home, and how it felt raising over £4.7 million. Joining him is Pam from Children in Need, who is our regional grants officer and a good friend of the Trust, who we're often in contact with, who keeps up with our activities, and has come visited our base at Cows. She really pulls back the curtain on the partnership between Children in Need and the Trust, which is really insightful. Also joining us is Holly from the Trust team, whose role is linked with Children in Need support, as she's integral to piecing together everything needed to put young people in touch with the Trust so they can access support. Lewis, it's good to see you again. Huge congratulations on raising over £4.7 million as part of the Rickshaw Challenge, as you do. How did it feel when that was revealed to be the amount that you'd raised? I don't know. I sat there in shock. I was speechless. And like when it kept being said over and over again, it's my body just went into pure shaking. And I just didn't know how to just control it because it's such a, an amazing feeling knowing that I've been helped by such an amazing charity and for me to be able to put that time and effort in that we did to raise such an amazing figure it just you can't describe the feeling itself it's just just amazing when you hear a number that big you know for sure that you are now helping many many more people as well so that's like a i mean you can't put a price on that as a way of saying it i was interested to know because something happened during the recording what happened when there was a time someone on site was found to have COVID-19 there was a re- rearrangements. You all ended up back in your houses. You had bikes and everything. What happened at that point when you found that out? What were those 24 hours like? Well, obviously, testing was, we all had a fear that it could happen. Um, and then when it did actually happen, the, the team were upset. So being the oldest lad there, I kind of just tried to keep it cool for everyone and just put a brave face on and just be there because obviously there was a couple of people that were crying and it was it was really upsetting. But I think knowing that we were still that team and we had such strength behind us, we were managed to just take it as it came to us because there was always that that possibility that that could have happened. But as a team, we, we adapted to it um, quite not very well, I'd say, because we all understood that well, obviously what COVID is and how COVID works and the testing worked. But we were all together we, we had a cry, we spoke about it, and then we just picked straight back up from where we left off and we just carried on doing what we did best, yeah. It seemed like whenever we checked in with you all on the one show that everyone's spirits were still so high from home. So was it quite a quick thing where people were like, yeah, let's get back on it, let's start going again? So we, we had a couple of hours just chatting um, about how we felt about obviously having to go home and just leave it at that. But I think... The team themselves, it's like with what we've all been through and what we still go through, the strength kind of just shone through all of us and getting that emotion off and talking about how we really felt having to go home helped us just kick us into gear 
and we were more determined from when we were at Goodwood um, to just carry on and do more than we wanted to, if you know what I mean. And talking about what you actually did, whenever we, the audience, got to check in with you on the show, you were always cycling. You were always cycling. How much of your day was actually spent on that bike? Well, to start off, it was uh, just a few hours. Um, I'd probably say two to three. And then as the week like carried on, we just decided to, as a team, just do as much as we could. But if we needed to come off and have a break, then we'd do it. Um, but I think cycling as a team at the same time, even though it was over Zoom, helped just push each other through and just to carry on. Because I can't lie, I didn't ride a bike before, obviously with my leg. And the motivation that my team gave me was incredible because I just powered on and powered on and everyone else did. And it was just such an amazing environment to just be a part of. Mate, my New Year's resolution this year was to go to the gym for the first time in 15 minutes on a bike and I'm absolutely done in. So, I mean, <laughs> to hear hours every day, that is incredible. And you're talking about being on the teammate, uh, on Zoom with your teammates there. Did that mean you still got to bond even though you weren't in person? Yeah, so we were obviously um, sitting on a Zoom call uh, every day for a few hours whilst we were riding. And that team environment like was still there. We were laughing, we were joking. Um, if anyone had any struggles, we would talk about it. And I think knowing that was all there and we were all there at the same time cycling, it's, I don't know how you'd describe it, but it's just powerful knowing that at the same time we were being able to put all of our struggles into one and just push past them as a team, which helped a lot. I was going to ask, you know, did you enjoy the whole thing? But it sounds like you enjoyed the whole thing. So like, do you have a favourite part of it? I'd say the whole thing. It's There's not one part that is just stand out. It's from the moment that you hear about that you've taken part to when it ends, it's just one big highlight. It's just such an amazing opportunity to be a part of. Pam, thank you so much for joining us. I think what would be really great is if you could just tell people listening what your role is at Children in Need and how you have a relationship with the Trust to do what it is you do? Of course, yeah. So um, I'm the Regional Grants Officer. Uh, normally, I'm based in Southampton at the BBC offices, but obviously um, since mid-March, I've been working from home. And um, I have the gr very great privilege of managing the grants in central southern England. Um, and that brings in the Isle of Wight um, to that, where obviously Ella MacArthur Trust is based. Um, so my role is really being there, the first point of contact um, for grant recipients, um, right from the day they're awarded the grant um, until um, their final report is submitted and closed off um, and after that if they want to actually look to apply to children in need again I can provide some advice um, and information and guidance um, in respect of that um, but part of my role the very greatest privilege I have is actually getting to visit the projects as well um, we try and do it um, sort of once in the three-year cycle um, of each of the grants um, and on occasions I've managed um, two or three times to some grantees I'm not a water lover. I prefer terra firma. So I haven't been out on the boats, but I've met some of the um, young people that have been on the trips that have been funded by Children in Need at their barbecue on land. <laughs> um, and um, they are amazingly inspirational, uh, very confident people. Um, and they just bond as a team as well um, in their boats um, on the water. What was it like for you at Children in Need watching the Rickshaw Challenge happen and having it be different this year? I think for me, because I've watched it um, 
over the years, there was disappointment from me for the young people that participated. Um, it's, it's truly inspirational watching them grow and develop um, as individuals um, on that uh, rickshaw um, challenge every single year. You see them flourish um, and come out of their shells. Uh, Matt Baker is brilliant at actually just getting them to talk naturally while they're on the road. Um, and I was really worried um, that actually they wouldn't get the best experience. Um, having listened to Lewis, it's clear that you know, they bonded as a team remotely, which is amazing, um, and um, pulled together to actually deliver, you know, another inspirational ritual challenge this year. In terms of the relationship between the trust and children in need, it's something we are so happy about, so proud of. There, there are little cuddly, pudsy toys on our yachts. What is it about the trust that makes children in need happy to support us? I think it's their approach to the children and young people that they support. They listen to them. Uh, they hear how those young people are feeling in terms of emotions, along with having to juggle and deal with the medical interventions um, that they will have had experience of. They bring those young people on board within the trust. Um, and so therefore, those voices of young people are very prominent right the way across the trust. Um, that to me um, and to children in need is um, really essential that people, young people feel as though they can participate. They have a real function and a role within the organization that supports them when they are able to. Um, and obviously, um, it's a huge roller coaster uh, with the experiences of any young people that are supported by the trust and they need to be in the right place. Um, but I'm always inspired um, when I've met the volunteers, um, young and um, obviously the skippers as well, um, in actually how motivated, how passionate and how committed they are um, to the trust. And I think it just gives you that warm glow. The trust is well managed, um, it's well governed, uh, and it really does listen um, to the participants. I, I particularly like the way you said the young and the skippers there, as if to avoid saying the young <laughs> and the old as well. <laughs> as a, I mean, as we've said, it's a real badge of honour for us to be supported by children in need. And part of that partnership is that we send over reports every year and you see what activities we've been up to and supporting young people down on the south coast of the UK. What is it like when you see that come through and you see the things that we've been up to? Um, I'm aware of a lot of what the trust does anyway, and we fund only a very small um, element of that in the first time um, sailing trips. I think for me, um, the passion always comes through. The stories that come through within the reports, you can actually picture how a young people, a young person is right at the very beginning of their journey um, before they step on the boat for the first time um, and when they come off at the end of the week, but also through the support, um, the wraparound support that's given um, as part of um, the whole package that Ellen MacArthur Trust actually provides. Um, it's, it's amazing, it brings it to life. And if you're confined to the office environment or home working as we are at the moment, actually those reports are really important to connect us, connect us with the organisations that we fund, but also to the young people that you're supporting. And what will it take to get you on a boat? 
<laughs> Maybe but, while they're moored up. <laughs> okay, good shout. We can, we can arrange that. Holly, hello. It's your first time on the pod, hopefully not the last. You are directly involved and responsible for the whole process in which young people find out about the trust right through to when they come on the trip. What is that first point of contact with someone like when they take that first step towards coming on the trip? I think for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, yes, yeah, kind of, it seems like such a long process. And I think sometimes um, what goes into kind of, you know, first meeting in people to then coming on a trip is just so exciting, um, especially from, you know, at the beginning of the year, we always have meetings with sort of hospitals, uh, physical treatment centres, charity partners, and that's talking to, you know, a medical professionals that have identified young people that could really benefit from these trips. Um, and that's always a really exciting part. And then from then on, it's filling in forms, all the stuff to get everything ready for the trips and kind of admin side of it. And then it comes down to the, sort of those pre-trip preparations that we need to do. So sending out information for them to join, making sure that they have everything they need. And then more importantly, those phone calls, that first bit of contact with the families and the young people, the bit that I absolutely love and the part that, you know, really identifies my whole role and the whole reason why I do what I do at the Trust because I'm um, seeing Lewis here today, for example, um, I remember contacting um, his family, etc., and to see how he's flourished and, you know, how, you know, how amazing he's doing. Um, yeah, it's really amazing to kind of see. I was going to talk about those phone calls. When you check in with them before the trip itself, what kind of conversations are you having? Is it ones of nerves? Is it excitement? What kind of chats are they like? Yeah, I think it's, from both ends of the spectrum so we have real nerves um, to the point where you know young people aren't sure they're going to come and it's sometimes those you know coaxing methods of finding out what it is exactly they're nervous about these young people sometimes are coming completely on their own they'll know absolutely nobody on the trip so that's a big big step and I think you know to have that opportunity to meet other young people that have been through similar is fantastic but actually it's the thought of getting there and the, just making that plunge really to kind of come on those trips so it's definitely excitement, it's definitely nerves. Yeah, and sometimes almost convincing, I think. I'm not to go, it's easy to say, um, but it's not always easy to do. And I think just being really honest with, you know, finding out what it is exactly the nerves are. It could just be the travel, could be they've never actually been on a boat before, which is very, very common for, you know, young people. I mean, I live on the Isle of Wight, haven't done much sailing myself, so it's it's not something that's ready available to all young people. So it's a great opportunity for them to learn something new. So yeah, really fantastic opportunity. And the support we get from children directly supports the role you do at the Trust. It's one of those tangible things where you see the difference having a partner as significant as children need really is. You know, it, it really isn't as simple as the summer arrives, a bunch of people just show up at East Coast Marina. So for people who don't know the ins and outs, just how significant is it that you're in this role and you're there pretty much every step of the way yeah so I think my title grant explains it so I am the young person hostile liaison so predominantly I liaise with families young people that as I said all the forms etc that need completing the chasing of consultants to making sure young people are you know ready to come on trips and you know every medical history we have etc um to organizing organize all the travel so obviously we for the south I do as far as office Nottingham and right the way down to sort of Cornwall so organizing all that travel for young people to be able to come on trips I kind of remember I've had a whole year off of trying to organize all the trips doing virtual summer um so yeah it's yeah there's a lot that goes into kind of organizing and like I said there is a pre-trip phone call with every single young person parent family so 
sometimes if I can hear from the parents, the young person's really anxious if they're under 18, I'll always say, how about you put me on loudspeaker so I can actually have a conversation with the young person themselves and just kind of to really stamp down any of those kind of anxieties around travel, um, actually what it is to boat. I think, like I said, some people haven't been sailing before. So explaining what the cabins would be like and we've got a really great tool now that we have the 360 video. Um, so there's opportunities now that we can show young people kind of how it works, what it is to expect when they are coming on the trips, etc. So that's a huge part of my role. And actually I wouldn't be able to do things I do. And I think to have those conversations, sometimes it can be between them coming on a trip and not coming on a trip. So I think actually they have that connection to the trust. The family have spoken to somebody that, with it, that is in with the trust. So yeah, it's, it's really important. Sounds really weird picking up my role, making sure I say how, how important it is. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. And like I say, I always go and meet all the young people on the first day of the trip. So going over onto the ferry and it's actually really nice to kind of put names to faces when you speak to people on the phone and you see them there for the first time. Um, and then again, at the end of the week, when you see actually, is that the same young person? Because they're bouncing on the walls. They're so excited. They have an amazing time. So yeah, it's amazing. I think a nice way to end the last podcast of 2020 would just be for everyone to share something from the year that they've really enjoyed, whatever it is you want. It's felt like a long year it's felt like a short year it's been tough but there's been some positives as well Holly what have you enjoyed about 2020? I think for me it was that change of yeah like I said I haven't done trips for a whole year so that was really interesting not not being able to do what I knew that my role was but actually search of summer and seeing young people engage and that was something that we had like a big team meeting we threw out some ideas and then we got you know we kind of made that happen and it's been fantastic to see young people coming to those trust using hangouts and coming to the conversations about the conversations with. And it's, yeah, it's been really fantastic to kind of see that that support has still been there throughout the whole of the summer. We said that we would be there for young people and we really have. So yeah, something I'm really proud of. Pam, what about you? What was good for you in 2020? How creative the third sector have been in adapting in this truly uncertain, extraordinary year. They've adapted so well and they've taken young people with them on that journey. Um, Organisations have learned an awful lot and some of them have actually drawn on the experiences of young people um, through digital um, inclusion um, on that journey. I love the virtual summer, um, the activities that the Ellen MacArthur Trust actually provided. Um, It really again engage young people so they consulted um, and found out what they'd like um, and delivered some amazing experiences off water. And Lewis the final word of the last podcast of 2020 what did you enjoy about the year? I think um, I think it's pretty easy to know what my highlight of the year is Uh, I'd say the rickshaw challenge and just being able to show people really that this year has been a tough year for everyone but sticking together and talking about how you feel and and what is going on around you it's there is always a light at the end of the tunnel no matter what and for me that's just been such an amazing thing for me because I do struggle with a lot of problems but knowing that there's people around me that I can talk to and there's a support network for me I can get up and I can bypass my problems and I can push through and show the strength that is really within me so that's been the best part of the year for me really that's it for this week thank you to lewis pam and holly for joining us and you too for listening in and that's also it for the year we really hope you've enjoyed Soundwaves in 2020 it's been the highlight of my year 
at a time when it's tempting to feel like we've been stuck apart, actually we've stayed together through conversation and sharing thoughts and ideas. I've really felt the Trust community stay strong throughout. I want to say a personal thank you to everyone who came on and talked so openly this year, so entertainingly, so warmly, and to think we're ending 2020 with almost 2,000 downloads is quite frankly a bit mad. So a personal thank you to you for listening. I hope to see you back here in the new year with a cuppa, or maybe you listen when you're out in a walk, or maybe you're in the bath, who knows. Wherever you listen to us, thank you from me and the trust. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hogmanay, Happy New Year. Take care.